Okay? So the third noble truth. The Buddha said, you know all that dukkha that I just spoke about? And all that craving that we find ourselves entangled in? It can end. It can come to an end. The dukkha can come to an end. The craving can come to an end. This is the third noble truth. There is a relief. There is a release. And often the third noble truth is spoken about in terms of freedom, enlightenment, nibbana, the unconditioned, some, something that sounds so far out and so far away and so remote and so exotic and so esoteric that does anybody ever experience this? And except the Buddha and a few people around him at the time? So rather than speak about that, I want to point to the kinds of experiences that we're having here, or will have if we practice in this way, that begin to acknowledge the possibility of the Third Noble Truth, of bringing dukkha and craving to an end. Okay. So what is it we're doing here that gives us a taste of the end of dukkha. And the end of dukkha, I'm going to call the dukkha-free zone. Okay. Now, when our mind is wandering, and we're off in la-la land, we're caught up in some fantasy, and we're just kind of absent. We don't know that we're suffering, because we're just kind of lost in it. But when we become aware of it, we can let go. We can just go, oh, I don't need to be doing this now. Later, I don't need to be making these plans, I don't need to be lost in this fantasy, I don't need to be ruminating about this past hurt. I just let it go. Well, after I finished university, when I went to university, I studied engineering. And back in the days when we didn't have handheld calculators, everything was done on a slide rule and long, longhand math. And so I took a lot of advanced math courses and was really good at crunching numbers in my head. And then got out of school and wandered around for a few years and then ended up going to my first retreat. When my mind wandered in my first retreat, it would go, okay, let's see, this room is about 40 feet wide, it's about 40 feet high, let's see, how much the cure volume of this thing? And I'd be kind of crunching numbers in my head and I kind of recognize that my mind is wandering and I say, do I have to be doing this right now? If you don't practice awareness, you won't know what your mind is doing. It'll do what it's been trained to do. Worry, anxiety, plan, calculate, figure out, do all kinds of things without you knowing it, until you start practicing awareness and recognize what your experience is. You have the experience, but you don't recognize it until there's awareness. So that's the first way that we just let go intentionally. I'm holding on to this. Do I need to? No. Okay. The second way that we experience dukkha-free zone is, you know when we get these... um, Obsessing, obsessing mental states, 
You know, we get entangled in some worry or some anxiety or some depression or some fear or some... We're telling ourselves some story and we're just caught up in ruminating and explaining and figuring it out and blaming and nah, nah, nah. We're just... We're tortured. When we can recognize this obsessive state of mind, the torment that I've spoken about before, we can... We can step out of the story and see the torment. We can see the activity of the torment. We can, we can recognize its nature, its characteristic. And just that much of a movement from being enmeshed in the torment to being aware of the torment is a degree of freedom. It's a degree of letting go of being entangled. And even that, can bring you some relief. But more noticeable is when there's an ongoing continuity of mindfulness, moment after moment, the torments don't even get a chance to come into the mind. We just stay, well, torment-free for a sustained period of time. Well, that's, that's pleasant enough. Pleasant enough. But it is the access to what I call the spiritual goodies. When the continuity of mindfulness reaches a certain frequency, without being invaded by the torments, then spiritual goodies arise. Now this is not due to some, I like this, you know, enjoyment. It's due to the development of the mind. So when the mind can do its work, of knowing, unhindered, it gets really powerful. And we start to experience joy. And I don't mean just, oh, happy, happy joy that you feel when you meet a friend. I mean joy that is transportive. It can move the body and move the mind. It can blossom into as much as ecstasy, pass out ecstasy for long and sustained periods of time. But that's just the coarse form of that kind of pleasure, dukkha-free zone, you might call it. You know, if you keep practicing with that as the object that you're remembering to recognize, or the moment, the experience that you're remembering to recognize, that matures, you kind of move beyond that indulgence and that, that joy, which is characterized as greater than any sensual pleasure you've ever experienced. Imagine that. Joy. Greater than any sensual experience you've ever had. What, what would that be like? Uh-huh. Okay, well anyway, that gets coarse after a while, and if you keep practicing, that joy, that coarseness of that joy and that ecstasy and that transportive energy in the mind and the body, smooths out into what I'll call bliss. Bliss is not exciting. Bliss is just chill. It is so soft and so pleasant and so just unrippling that you can really just kind of get absorbed in it. Duke-free. Duke-free. Except it doesn't last, so there's that, that element to it. But in the moment, there's not dukkha. But even that is coarse compared to equanimity. 
Equanimity is being with whatever arises, not indulging, not avoiding, not preferring, not pushing away, not reaching for, but not being in denial of anything. Just being at ease with whatever is happening. This is the subtlety of mind that is actually difficult to appreciate. We are so used to seeking exuberance and excitement and stimulation that it's hard to appreciate the lack of that kind of stimulation. But when you do, when, as you grow into it, equanimity is, well, more, what? Not reward, not more pleasurable. It's not more pleasurable than bliss. It's not more rewarding than bliss. It's just subtler. The mind is unruffled. Duke of free. Duke of free zone. But that's not the end. Because from this place of equanimity, when we see all of our experience with this total non-reactive state of mind, then the mind begins to understand the three characteristics. It begins to understand everything is impermanent. And when everything is impermanent, when you really understand that everything is impermanent, you don't reach for anything because it's not there. In the next moment, it's not there. And so the craving, the attachment, the reaching, the holding on never happens because the mind doesn't reach for what it knows is impermanent. There's this letting go in the mind of even seeking to reach first anything. This is another kind of dukkha free zone. And when we understand the dukkha characteristic of experience, and we know, oh, every experience that, we, that arises is either painful, we're not going to reach for that, it's unstable, so why are we going to try to hold on to that, or it's oppressive, who would want that? Again, when the mind understands this, this is the understanding of dukkha. The mind is free of dukkha. It doesn't reach for anything. Dukkha free zone. Or when the mind sees that everything that arises, arises due to causes and conditions, which are themselves the result of other causes and conditions. Everything is just made up of other things that are just made up of other things. They're just an appearance, but they don't really have any substance. They don't really have any essence. They don't have any enduring tangibility that you could hold on to for security, for pleasure, for happiness. It's like a rainbow. You know, a rainbow appears, this colorful appearance in the sky is due to, well, causes and conditions. There's moisture, there's the sun, there's the angle of viewing, and there's good eyes that work. Those conditions cause the appearance and experience of a rainbow. And yet there isn't any one of us that would reach for that rainbow, metaphorically or physically, to kind of hold it. Because we know, well, there's no such thing. You can't ever touch a rainbow. The angle of viewing changes and you can't get there. Well, when we understand this conditioned nature of every experience, you understand it, it's just a colorful appearance, like a rainbow. 
everything. Everything. And we don't reach for rainbows. And when you understand the anatta characteristic, this selfless characteristic, this impersonal characteristic, this conditioned characteristic of all phenomena, you don't reach for anything. You enjoy the rainbow. You enjoy the appearances. You take advantage of them. You fine, but you don't cling to them. You don't reach for them. We don't try to save them. This is the Dukkha Frisa. Now these understandings, these three understandings, that things are impermanent, things have the Dukkha characteristics, and all experiences are, well, conditioned, ephemeral, evanescent, just an appearance. When we understand this, the mind can actually let go of, well, Everything. And when it does, it falls into the unconditioned. The unconditioned is the letting go of everything. Every object and the knowing. Let them disappear. This is Nibbana. This is the end of suffering. The Buddha point to. This is the end of suffering. We use words like peace, sublime. As the Buddha said, it's deep, it's hard to understand, it's peaceful, it's sublime, it's beyond mere reasoning. These words don't really describe it, but they point in the direction of the end of suffering. But Nibbana, the unconditioned, it has no size, it has no shape, it has no color, it has no texture. Its characteristic is peace. Not just tranquility, not just harmony, not just ecstasy, not even bliss, not even equanimity. Peace. This, the Buddha said, is the end of suffering. This is the end of dukkha. It's an understanding. Peace is the characteristic. This third noble truth is to be realized by each one of us. You can't buy it. Nobody's selling it. Nobody can give it to you. You can't get, you know, kind of whacked by somebody and get it. It can be realized through your own understanding. This, Buddha said, is the end of suffering. 